What's up, everybody? John Hoover, All Sooners, along with Ryan Chapman, Randall Sweet. We're in the press box for episode 223 of the All Sooners podcast. This, of course, is the All Sooners post-game podcast. Sooners took out West, West Virginia. BYU took out West Virginia last week. That's not incorrect. If they took out West Virginia, it wouldn't be certified fresh. No, that's right. They just that would be old, BYU. old and stale. They, they took out BYU today, 31-24 here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We had a great time. We were here for three days. We hiked through the mountains. We watched the sunset. Uh, got romantic at one point, I think. Maybe not. <laughs> How can you not be romantic about hiking and college football? That's right. Uh, it was a uh, it was a complete game by the Sooners today, except for the fact that it wasn't. Last week was a complete game. We thought they had turned a corner in terms of four quarters of good football. Brent Venable said the best court, best four quarters they had last week at West Virginia. Well, this week, significantly less so. Had more trouble running the football, had more trouble stopping the run, had a couple of wild passes. Uh, stuff got a little, the weather got a little weird here at uh, at Lavelle Edwards in Provo, outside the Wasatch Mountains. We'll talk to Randall about what the conditions were like, what the crowd was like, but first, let's get your thoughts on how the, the defense kind of held up there at the end, got some turnovers, turned the game around, and um, turned it over to a freshman quarterback. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we had so much discussion last week about Jackson Arnold. He didn't come in to kneel out that game against West Virginia. Oklahoma's trying to preserve a red shirt. Brent Middles had basically said, like, that's the plan if if we can stick to it. Irony uh, of ironies. Yeah, he wasn't. It wasn't a knock on wood situation. He didn't say it out loud, but basically, I think the vibe that we got was, if it's just to kneel out the game, it'll be Davis Bevel. If a backup situation is needed. Well, that opens the door to Jackson Arnold. A disaster, he called it. If, yeah. If a disaster happens and we have to take a hard right turn, we'll do, we'll do it. That happened today. Yeah, they took a hard right turn in the south end zone as Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma's offense, set up with first and five near the end of the first half. Had to settle for a field goal. That second down play, we think is probably the culprit where Dylan Gabriel was designed run up the middle, bounced outside. Randall had a great view of it. Mm -hmm. uh, a really physical play. Dylan Gabriel, um, basically, for lack of better words, one of the situations where you worry because the head looks like it bounces off the turf a little bit. And then we get word, and it didn't really filter out until the players came back onto the field. That's Jackson Arnold warming up. Mm -hmm. Number eight, the little number eight, large number eight, Jonah Lulu was there. Dylan Gabriel was not. And uh, Chris Plank had reported that uh, Dylan Gear wouldn't come out to play the second half. So it was true freshman Jack Snarnold thrown into a tied football game. BYU fans that were up for it. Brentman will said that they gave him a little hope due to uh, processing some. Basically, BYU ran, uh, McKay Matires said they ran a different defense than anything they had run all year yeah. against Oklahoma. And the running game was cooking in a way for BYU offensively that it, it hadn't. But. Jackson Arnold didn't turn the ball over. Oh, you forced three turnovers, huge pick six, huge strip sack. And uh, Oklahoma gets this thing out of here with a win, unlike the last two road trips right. where they turned the ball over six times. Oklahoma, no turnovers, three turnovers forced, turned into 21 points. That was the difference. BYU came out today, played with a ton of heart. Uh, they did not look like a 5-5 five and five team that, that had just gotten blown, their doors blown off three weeks in a row. They'd come out here today, and I thought they'd look like the contender that I thought they might be, uh, you know, coming into the Big 12 when we heard about it a couple of years ago that they were going to join the conference. So Randall was down on the field. I want to get his thoughts on the atmosphere, the weather, 
And how friggin' hard BYU was hitting Oklahoma. I mean, I talked to three players about it, and they all said, yeah, those guys were really hitting us hard today. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, to start with the environment, the fans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium here were really into the game. I mean, this stadium was rocking. I did not expect it to be as loud as it was here. Uh, I mean, this was probably the loudest game I've been at all season. Uh, Bedlam would border that, I would say, but I think that this probably takes the cake. These students were riled up. Uh, I mean, they were given, they were heckling Boomer, uh, the, the OU mascot. They were, uh, you know, in, in a respectful way, of course, sure. being, being BYU, but uh, still heckling him, you know, throwing the horns up, uh, you know, things of that nature. <laughs> uh, it, it, was a, it was a rowdy atmosphere. Uh, and I think that, you know, we've seen that affect OU throughout the season. I think it did a little bit more today. Uh, the conditions, I think, affected both teams pretty evenly. Uh, BYU had a lot of players slipping on the field. OU had a lot of players slipping. BYU had some drops mm -hmm. that really hurt them. Um, and then, you know, that, like I said, the weather really affecting that. And then, like you said, the BYU guys, they were bringing the wood. I mean, Jackson Arnold, looking back at the highlights, Jackson Arnold got nailed on one of his QB runs. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk was running really hard. He got hit hard a few times. Jaleel Farouk on, you know, his uh, the, the catch that kind of sealed uh, the win for OU. He got nailed at the end of that play. They even reviewed it for targeting. Uh, so BYU came to play. Uh, I think Hoove said it best. They played with a lot of pride. Uh, the fan base uh, kind of backed that up, and I think that it was kind of the perfect storm uh, to keep them in the game. I mean, they were talking trash. They You could tell that this was not one that they were, uh, you know, some 5-5 five and five teams after getting blown out three weeks in a row might come in and kind of lay down, uh, and that was not the case with BYU today. They they were ready to play. Yeah, BYU uh, is is like the 19th winningest program in college football history in the last 60 years. They, they've got a very proud program, a terrific program, uh, a great heritage. So uh, that was not surprising to see them come out today for Coach Kalani Sataki and say, we're going to knock the hell out of these guys and uh, do our best to try to win the game. I was impressed by what I saw out of BYU, the effort, the intensity, the focus, uh, I was also impressed by the story of the game, which we've alluded to several times. Jackson Arnold coming off the bench, throwing some third and long passes, third and long, two times in the fourth quarter, one of them to set up a scoring opportunity, field goal, yanked it wide left. Uh, another one was to clinch the game. You get the first down, you get to kneel. Ryan, we saw this happen at Kansas where Oklahoma had an opportunity to get a first down and win the game. They ended up punting the ball. They ran the ball three times up the middle, basically. Punted the ball back to KU. KU goes down and cuts through the Oklahoma defense like a hot knife through butter. Scores the touchdown. Wins the game. That didn't happen today because Jeff Levy had a different mindset. Jackson Arnold made a change to the play that Jeff Levy called, and Brent Venables was okay with all of it. Yeah, yeah. Brent Venables, after the game, said – uh, everyone's learned a little bit through adversity, and Jeff Levy maintained they want to stay aggressive. Regardless of whether Jackson Arnold or Dylan Gabriel was going to be in the game, he said that in his mind he was thinking, as he knew going into halftime, Jeff Levy, that is, that you're going to have to make a quarterback change. Stay aggressive. It'll open up some different QB run game, but stay aggressive, and that's what he did. Third and 13, as Hoove alluded to, that was the first one, the first big moment for Jackson Arnold, I thought, to kind of show under pressure, Oklahoma's marching close to the red zone and the pocket it was clean but it got mucked up not because of like pressure or anything Jacob Sexton beat his man and in turn and was kind of in the process of pancaking him almost and and that meant that there were some some, some uneven footing near Jackson Arnold's uh, legs and he just coolly slid to the left delivered a dart a 16-yard completion to Jalil Farouk on a third and 13 that was the first one Schmidt was the field goal but get that ball rolling down the field. 
Then the huge one, Oklahoma got the ball back. McKay Matawa is talking about it's what every offense prides itself on, the four-minute drill. Can you close out a game? Gotten to third and eight. Jeff Levy said all week long, all week long with all the quarterbacks, he was talking about, hey, if we get this look, if we get the zero coverage look, that you know it's going to be pressure. You want to check into this play, check into this play. Jackson Arnold, the true freshman, preparing like he was going to play all week long, despite the fact that in the back of his mind he knew if Dylan Gabriel was healthy, he was probably going to redshirt. Able to make the check into slants, fires one in there to Jalil Farouk. Jalil Farouk, hope it doesn't get lost all this, made a great catch. Brent Middles pointed out afterward that he got absolutely smoked and held onto the football, was reviewed, like you mentioned, confirmed as a catch. And that ended up being all she wrote is after that, Oakland was able to kneel the ball out three times. So you had not just the non-running situation like you had at Kansas where they basically ran the ball three times trying to get Kansas to use all their timeouts. It also wasn't the fourth and five situation in Bedlam. Jackson Arnold was able to have a couple of different plays where he's throwing the ball downfield, throwing the ball past the six. Neither of them were fourth down, but able to connect, able to convert, only completed, what, five passes? Um, Jackson, I think he was a five of nine, but mm -hmm. two of them were massive, massive high-pressure throws late here in Provo. What a mature play for a freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterback, to come out of red shirt in the fourth quarter. Things He didn't start great. You know, I think he was two for five passing in the fourth quarter with those two completions. Uh, but just confidence in his timing, confidence in his training, confidence in his receiver, confidence in the offensive line and the play call. Uh, and the ability to change the play call. Um, Jaden Gibson said, that's how I knew. That's that's one of the things that makes me believe he's going to be a great quarterback. Uh, Drake Stoop said he was so proud of him. Um, Jeff Lebby said the preparation that he's put in every day to stay engaged. Uh, I think Oklahoma, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. I think Oklahoma's got a really special quarterback in Jackson Arnold. Yeah, I mean, while it, there weren't many plays today that just catch your eye and you're like, that's a highlight play, yeah. that's going on as highlight reel. It was a very mature game, you know, like you said, stepping into a game that was really close, uh, you know, on the road. It was cold outside. It was raining a little bit. Jackson Arnold took those hits. He ran physically, which, uh, you know, is something that I think that obviously Jeff Levy and uh, company like to use him in that style. We saw that even whenever he was not coming in to, uh, to relieve Dylan Gabriel. But... Uh, I mean, the, the throws he did make, like you said, those two high-pressure third-down throws, missed a little bit to Nick Anderson, but he showed off that arm strength. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, you know, when he did miss that shot, I was thinking, well, hey, Dylan Gabriel, we kind of picked on him for underthrowing every deep ball. Jackson <laughs> Arnold overthrew Nick Anderson by a good 5, 10 yards. So showing off the arm strength, I think that, uh, while, again, it wasn't the big highlight reel performance, it, you definitely saw... Uh, some of the maturity that you know is not typical from a freshman. Well, you mentioned the slow start. I, I think this has kind of been lost in the shuffle as well. Oakland's coming out of the half. BYU got the ball back right, right immediately. So Jackson Arnold's then going to have to. You warmed up and then you sitting on the sideline. Uh, I I was just glued to him. I couldn't tell you what happened. I know your yeah, first defensive same. possession because we were all looking. Um, he was on the phone with Jeff Levy. Drake Stoops came over and dapped him up. McKay Matire come over. Uh, Jalil Farouk. I'm sure there are many many others. Um, and then, but Oklahoma, because of a really nice punt by BYU, Jackson Arnold's first possession, he took over at his own nine yard line. So he was battling field position yep. on third down. He actually escaped out of there, had a 20 plus yard run that was mm -hmm. called back from an illegal block in the back. Um, the, the second drive he took over, Oklahoma's at their own 20. So Oklahoma was losing the field position battle early on in the third quarter. And I think more than anything, I, I don't think it was necessarily Jeff Levy didn't trust his true freshman quarterback to kind of air it out early. I think it was knowing, 
hey, the field position battles really, you're dug in. Oklahoma, the biggest thing was not to turn the ball over themselves. Uh, that almost, who for me, meant that he wasn't going to get into this huge rhythm early because mm -hmm. Oklahoma's having to climb up the field position battle in the third yeah. quarter. And you, you mentioned not turning the ball over. Jackson Arnold almost did fumble a snap, was yep. able to corral it, and uh, I don't know that he got positive yards on the play, but didn't lose the ball. Very important. Yeah, especially after three turnovers each of the last two de losses, defeats, um, to go on the road again and not turn the football over. In again, poor weather conditions, mm -hmm. hostile crowd, loud, loud, loud. Guys were still false starting. That's still a problem that has to get cleaned up. Yeah. That was the story of the game. Jackson Arnold coming in off the bench to fill in for Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel getting hurt, probably upper body, probably head, possibly concussion. We'll see. Red Venables did express a little bit of positivity or at least I don't know, optimism to say that he thinks it's realistic he can come back next year. And then he admitted, well, I haven't next talked week. to anybody. What did I say, next, next year? year. Next Not year. next year, no. Next week, next week. We've been down that road. <laughs> next week. Uh, but he also said, he admitted that I haven't talked to anybody about it since halftime. So he's a little bit in the dark and as of the press conference. Yeah, yeah. We'll have, uh, with the shorter week, right, Oklahoma plays on Friday, the Brent Venables press conference will be on Monday. Yep. So we'll have that official update on Monday. Uh, Brent Venables, again, he immediately was pretty optimistic, like you said, yep. uh, about didn't Not think sure it was going to be a long-term or whatever. But then he was asked, like, but for Friday, and he's like, we'll have to see. I just keep going back to if it does end up being a concussion, I don't know if Oklahoma will ever confirm that or not. Right, right. A year ago, we were in this spot, right? Mm -hmm. Dylan Gabriel in mid-second quarter instead of the end of the second quarter goes down in Fort Worth. Concussion protocol, he didn't clear out of it by a Saturday game against Texas. Um, it'll be interesting, one less day. If it is a concussion protocol, that could be massive yeah, if it's one less day. But Braden Willis isn't there to pull the fat out of the fire this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th I think that uh, they're pretty confident of what we saw behind <laughs> us with Jackson and what he can do, especially with the whole week preparation. So that, that'll be something to clock. Otherwise... I didn't see really anybody else leave with an injury. Just McCullough came back today. Ginger mm -hmm. Williams dressed and went through warm-ups, didn't play. And Danny Stutzman played, though he was battling through food poisoning. He told us afterward that he thinks it's pretty much through him by mm -hmm. now. But uh, that that was kind of the, the intrigue as far as what that goes, because otherwise it was uh, – Kind of straightforward outside of Gabriel, a huge one on the injury front today. Ty Tyler Guyton also dressed and warmed up, but didn't play. Just, uh, just yeah. to know. Sexton uh, went the distance at right tackle. He was good. So that was the uh, again. That was the play. The story of the game. The play of the game, guys, was a hundred yard pick six by Billy Bowman. A hundred yard pick six. It was 17-17. BYU was driving. They were at the they were at the goal line. They were throwing into the end zone, and here comes Billy Bowman to save the day and goes a hundred yards the other way. That was the play of the game. And you know what? If this thing turns, think about this. If they go on and they get Texas, for instance, tonight to lose at Iowa State, I think they kick off. Have they already kicked off? Kicked off 35 minutes ago yeah, for they us. Yeah, off at 7 o'clock. So. so you'll know before we do here right, on this Right, here on the pod. podcast. But uh, if, if Texas were to lose tonight, Oklahoma comes out, wins next week against TCU at home. Uh, there's a chance they go to the Big 12 championship game. They've got a clear path if Texas loses tonight, right? All you got to do is win. That could have been a season-saving, a championship-saving kind of play by, by Billy Bowman. Yeah, and it came on the heels of, uh, in the third quarter, BYU was averaging 9.4 yards per carry. In the first half, it was the RPO game. It looked a lot like Bedlam, yep. where, and, and a little bit like Kansas, where uh, when they would pull the ball, 
and it was almost a, a modern mm, triple option look. Yeah, yeah. And throw it, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, Oklahoma didn't really do a good job containing that. That was the first half. In the second half, BYU was just running downhill. They were averaging 9.4 yards per carry, mm -hmm. and it was 23-yard run, 11-yard run, 20-yard run. That set BYU up at the two-yard line. No goal line stand, but little quick out. Billy Bowman sees it. He checked into the right thing before the play. He was supposed he, to blitz. He wasn't supposed to blitz. Yeah, it, it was, he, there's <laughs> an option for him to blitz. If there were three guys out there, he was not supposed to take that option. He didn't. Instead, he he blitzed the football is what he did. He broke on that thing. And at, it was a it was a legitimate foot race to outrun uh, Jake Retzlaff, the, the backup quarterback. Um, he's got some wheels on him as both yeah. Venables and Billy Bowman said after the game. But 100 yards all the way down, that would have been huge. BYU never led in this game. That right. was their chance to to really take the lead. And we mentioned the crowd who, uh, Randall, you could have felt this more than we did, but um, the, it, it, was, it was sold out. Not every seat was filled. And you could tell it was kind of a muted atmosphere, or at least it felt like a muted atmosphere to me. Um, to start, but once BYU was hanging around, still in the second quarter, they charged up. It, it rumbled. It rumbled. It felt like the the doors were about to fly off the press box because it was building. You could feel the BYU fans finally believing, got a chance to win this football game, not just hang around. And Billy Bowman snatched it. A stunned silence right after. BYU went down, tied the game up, got the crowd back in it, yep. but a huge, huge play. 17-17, Billy Bowman with the run back. That was one of three turnovers Oklahoma got, takeaways, uh, turned those into 21 points. So it was 24-17, and from there, like like Ryan said, I mean, there was, a, there was a momentum push in the game. It went from being super loud to we're going to beat them to all of a sudden not a peep out of that crowd. It was incredible. I mean, we were talking at halftime, the, the, the video guys down in the field, we are saying, man, this feels an awful lot like Kansas. Yep. And coming out of the half, I was thinking, man, if, if BYU is able to score first coming out of the half and take that momentum, that, that could be really, really, I mean, that could hurt OU a lot, especially, uh, which we didn't know at the time, especially with a backup quarterback in the game. And so Billy Bowen being able to take that momentum right out from under BYU, uh, like you said, the crowd was silent afterwards. I mean, I, I turned around right after and I saw plenty of, uh, what, what's the phrase, surrender Cobra yes. uh, immediately after after that play. Uh, and so you could definitely tell that that took, uh, uh, briefly took the air out of the out of the stadium. Again, as you mentioned, BYU scored, but after that, but uh, that, that I feel like really um, was a momentum uh, changing play. Rondell Bothroyd got a uh, fumble at the end of the first quarter, I believe, turned it into a touchdown. Sooners turned it into a touchdown on offense early in the second quarter. And then the uh, the early in the fourth quarter, um, Danny Stutzman sacks. Rhett's left the quarterback. And um, who recovered? Jacob Lacey recovered. And uh, the Sooners turned that into a touchdown as well when um, Gavin Sawchuk has the Towie Walker-like run runs over a guy, runs around a guy, spins out, pulls away from a guy, is trying to tackle him. It's a fantastic run. He I actually said, I thought you were you were Tawi there for a minute. I had to look and say, oh that's 27. That's Gavin Gavin Sawchuk. He got a kick out of that. Yeah, big physical run and and like we we've talked about this past week, he looked closest for me, Sawchuk did to the Florida State Sawchuk that yep. we saw against West Virginia. Today there were moments of that where he he's bursting through the line uh, it wasn't like, a, oh, gosh, he was ripped off a 60-yarder, but he had some explosive run plays. That one was just a, a grown-up, put-your-big-boy-pants-on <laughs> physical run. And, and we said as soon as it happened, we were like, yeah, that, that was the Tommy Walker run. He's stiff-arming a guy. 
and it, it was a hard-hitting game. And, and Sachuk, he's not just flash. He, he's got that grit to him, and he's really come on strong. Not a career-high rushing yards today for Sachuk. He ended up with 107, though. Only 107. Only 107. That's his third straight game crossing the century mark. And Sachuk was huge because it let Jeff Levy, when they were playing the field position game in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter when Oklahoma was playing with that lead, just trying to keep BYU at that arm's length. It let Jeff Levy lean on that offensive line and on Sawchuck and not make a true freshman go out there and say anything crazy like, hey, you need to throw 20 balls in the second half on the road and in your first you know, meaningful snaps or anything. Yeah, and they were running the ball effectively in the first half as well. Mostly, uh, occasionally, they would get some, some nice runs. He had a 29-yard run, so that makes four straight weeks he's had at least a 29-yard run. That's pretty good. They were moving the football, though, and what that did was open up the passing game. Dylan Gabriel throwing the football, 13 of 21, as I mentioned, 192 yards and two touchdowns. He was really good, and it looked like he was getting ready to have one of those 400-yard, five-touchdown type of games. Yeah, I mean, uh, found Drake Stoops a few times in the first half. Uh, Jaden Gibson had a huge first half, two catches, 80-plus yards, and a touchdown. Career uh, high for him, too. Almost two touchdowns. I mean, uh, Gabriel hit him on that deep shot and then uh, found him streaking across the back of the end zone wide open. He was able to get a foot down. Uh, obviously, aside from a few errant throws, a few drops, uh, you know, again, the weather was questionable. Uh, DG looked great out there. Uh, if OU is without him for TCU, it'll be interesting to see how Jackson Arnold looks under a week of preparation. But uh, I thought, like you said, in the first half, Dylan Gabriel was lighting that BYU secondary up, uh, even if they only put 17 points on the scoreboard. Um, Aiden Robbins was a problem for the Oklahoma defense. He's the running back that had 182 yards today, averaged 8.3 yards per carry. So guess what? They're going into the season finale next week. Oklahoma's got some things to work on. Yeah. Well, the first thing is, here's the good news. Oklahoma doesn't have to figure out how to play on the road next week. They can't do that. But I, I do, when Oklahoma and Texas leave, this is going to be the biggest stadium in the Big 12. Yep. I, I don't know if it people is. realize that. Um, I, I've I've always seen the setting when you watch BYU games on TV, but I, I guess I just never paid attention to a ton of the crowd shots. Um, like, th this is going to be the biggest stadium in the Big 12. Um, so it's a good atmosphere, hard to play in. But that shouldn't have affected the Oklahoma defense, which... In the first half, like we mentioned, the, the RPOs, all that stuff. In the second half, Robbins just got going downhill, and it, it opened everything up. Um, I, I know that he's been playing through some injuries, but it, it looked like Oklahoma's defense sprung a leak at one point because the first two drives of the second half, they came out, and it looked like Brent Middle's halftime adjustment, Ted Roof, the adjustment was blitz Retzlaff, get in his face, it worked, and you thought, okay, they've made the halftime adjustments. They've really figured this thing out. And then BYU just went to straight up gashing Oklahoma mm -hmm. in the run game. It, it was uh, really, really great. It, like, it got the crowd going. They appreciated that. They could see what was happening. And, and it became a situation where Oklahoma had to force those turnovers. Cause frankly, that was their most effective way of getting stops most yeah. of this game. Yeah. Uh, Randall, what did you think about um, the – we talked about the contact, the physicality. I strike yeah. Stoops, and he said – he actually like flinched and grabbed his arm a little bit, and he's like, "Yeah, they were really hitting hard, like like he left a bruise on him." Uh, what was your thoughts about that? Uh, we talked about the pride that BYU plays right. with, but just finishing that game strong. Yeah, I mean, they they were laying the wood. I mean, OU OU. I think both sides of the of the field were laying the wood. That's game. what that's what he said too. Drake told me he said, "I think Oklahoma was hitting pretty hard too." <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was I, like, good good call. Drake. I, uh, go go look at some of the Danny Stutzman highlights that we have on AllSooners.com. He, as usual, was not afraid to go downhill and hit people. Kobe McKenzie was laying some big hits today, uh, yeah, and and again, you you mentioned BYU. I mean. 
Jackson Arnold got rocked on a few of his QB runs. Actually, he ran pretty physically and still got got hit pretty hard. Uh, and I think that uh, the BYU secondary wasn't necessarily uh, great in the pass game, uh, but they, they were not afraid to come downhill to lay a hit on a running back, on a receiver, a quarterback. And uh, I think that OU, to their credit, they did a great job of playing through that. Like we mentioned, they didn't cough the ball up. They didn't um, flinch. They didn't shy away from contact. They, they gave it right back to BYU on both sides. I thought the Oklahoma offensive line really, really physical. I thought they did some good things. Um, but again, it was a dogfight. Uh, BYU was not going out, um, not going out easy, and uh, they they were they made it a very physical game. Yep. Um, so Oklahoma ended a losing streak today. I don't know if you guys knew that. They were zero and two against BYU, the '94 Copper Bowl in Tucson, Arizona. They lost thirty-one six. They were down thirty-one nothing. Uh, had some funky quarterback situation going on with that. Um, Garrick McGee got meningitis. This was nineteen ninety-four. And uh, Terrence, what was his name? I don't even remember the quarterback's name. Terrence Brown was the starting quarterback. He ended up like 13 for 30 in the game. They couldn't score. Then, of course, we all remember the 2009 game. I wrote about that earlier this week. Talked to Colby Clawson, the guy who hit Sam Bradford and knocked him out for basically the season. Um, came back for a game and a half and ended up leaving the season against Texas uh, later in the season. But against, that, against BYU in the opener at Jerry World 2009, 13 points on the board, six points on the board in the Copper Bowl in 1994. Today, same thing happened. They get the backup quarterback. They knock out the starter. Dylan Gabriel goes out. Jackson Arnold, no, no problem. I'll go up there and put up 31 points. 24 with the pick six, I guess. But no, apparently that was like I had the note of the day on Twitter. I put that on Twitter and Toby Rowland was talking about it. <laughs> right. Great note. Third time they've played, third time they've lost their starting quarterback. Crazy stuff, too. Yeah, this true freshman cut a little bit different yeah, little than bit. the other true freshman that came in. Terrence Brown and Landry Jones. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> and that's a lot to say, right? I mean, Landry Jones has his defenders for purely being a, a stats guy. Uh, I don't think that anyone that watches football is going to tell you that Landry Jones is like a great, 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 like the greatest Oklahoma quarterback. He just was the one that started for four years. But uh, Jack Starrell came in, road environment, all that stuff. I thought he handled it really well. He, he said he was a little anxious. He, he told us um, in the, after the Arkansas State game that he's a guy that traditionally gets very nervous for yep. football games. He's like, it helped to be up 49 to nothing. It's the best situation he's ever been in. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if that's something that can calm him down. He's got some reps under him. If he is called into action on Friday against yep. TCU, uh, it's going to be a, an interesting week to track just because um, Oklahoma will have everything to play for. Like uh, this, If this BYU team shows up in Stillwater, I don't think they'll win the game, but it, it, it'll be a situation like this where it, it'll come down and be late and BYU will have chances to make plays. That's a big if. This BYU team's been a lot different at home than on the road. That's true. Uh, and if Iowa State doesn't get it done, um, then Texas still has a chance to lose to Texas Tech as well. You'll know that Iowa State – result like i said by the time you listen to this but a ton to play for a ton of pressure on either gabriel or arnold in that black friday game if uh if i said this during the during the uh oklahoma state game as we were wrapping up the post game stuff here i said if oklahoma state plays like this like they did against houston tonight and if byu plays like this like they did against oklahoma today byu will win the football game simple as that now they are playing in stillwater as opposed to provo they were four and one at home this season uh they so they clearly they play better at home than they do on the road. 
Um, Randall, what's your gut tell you? And I'll get yours here in a second. What's your gut tell you about who the quarterback is next week? Uh, I, I think that we see Jackson Arnold again. I mean, if, if, it, is, if it is a concussion for Dylan Gabriel, then uh, I, I feel like on a short week, especially where he gets five days to rest, that uh, it, it would be maybe irresponsible to rush him back, especially because of a head injury. You know, you don't want to risk things like that. I don't think that I don't, I don't know the, the rules uh, for concussion protocol in college, like in the NFL, but I would assume that if it if it is truly a concussion that uh, Dylan Gabriel will miss at least one game. We saw Dylan Gabriel miss time with a concussion last season, uh, I think a game and a half. So that would be the same this season, a game and a half if he does miss TCU. Uh, but I, I would say we get Jackson Arnold next week uh, on Black Friday. Okay, Ryan, let's get your gut take on that as well. Is uh, Zach Schmidt going to be the kicker next week? Uh, <laughs> you missed a 28-yarder today. I didn't know you could miss a 20. From the right hash, he missed it to the left. And he kicked tried, the ball out of bounds. Yeah. And kicked a kickoff out of bounds to take him at the 40. they got to get that figured out. There is no figuring it out. Like, one more game? Can you hang on one more game? Yeah, well. Plus I, possibly a championship game plus a bowl game? Yeah, it, it that – they have to go to the transfer portal for a kick. They yeah, simply they do. do. My, my question is, there's four or five kickers on the roster. What I mean, are they just that bad that they can't get on the field with he Zach Smith? He wins the game in practice, or he wins the job in practice. That's what we're told. I mean, Must be. And, and I think, though, at some point you have to see practice is not the game. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not like it's not obvious to everybody, right? I mean, that was a super important kick, too. Yeah. To his fourth quarter, had to break a tie. Yep. And, again, right hash, and you miss it to the left from 28 yards. That's almost impossible to do. I mean, is Gavin Marshall, is Reddy Mustafaraj, I mean, are those guys not at least just throw them in there to try? I mean, yeah. I, I would I would assume that Gavin Marshall and Reddy, Reedy, I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name, could hit a 28-yarder. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I know Zach Schmidt's good on extra points, but I I, I don't know. It, it, it's baffling to me that there's not a kicker on this roster that yeah. can at least make – regular field goals well, I, or the punter they had come in and do it they yeah. had special teams issues again though um they set up a great fake punt where elzinga oh, had a beautiful, a beautiful throw i got a great shot of it too yeah hit up the the highlights all um elzinga a great throw ethan downs really composed moment but nick anderson was blocking downfield again that's opi it's about as easy as it comes yep. it absolutely was an offensive pass interference yep, totally um for all the talk about Jay Nunez last year, I think they've been bad, like a net, a huge net negative on special yeah. teams this year. They, they've got to figure that out. And so uh, th that'll be huge, especially especially if results go Oklahoma's way. Like if you're asking for my gut, who? Mm -hmm. Here's my gut. Uh, Jack Snarl starts against TCU, and then Dylan Gabriel starts the Bedlam rematch in Arlington. Wow. Bedlam rematch in Arlington. Okay, so you've made it known. You think they're going to qualify for the championship. Uh, I would, and if they qualify for the championship, I think I know how you feel if they play Oklahoma State. It's a bedlam game; they're going to win. That's the yeah. way you always phrase it. Yeah, I, I mean, if they, they didn't just this year, but yeah, if they just if they just here, I'll catch it. If they turn the ball over three times again, they probably are going to lose again. <laughs> uh, if they don't, Ollie Gordon's really banged up, guys. This yeah. is what Mike Gundy has seen this. Not to turn this into an OSU thing. Mike Gundy doesn't like to ride one guy, I think because he's had a bunch of guys. Like, Chuba Hubbard was banged up in a Bedlam game at the end of the yep. year. Um, you had, um, oh, my gosh, he's at Pittsburgh right now doing a great job. Jalen Warren, he was banged up in a oh, Bedlam yeah. game at the end of the year because they put so much on him. Uh, Ollie Gordon was great against Houston, but limping around again. 
Um, I, I like their chances in, in that rematch if everyone's healthy. No Danny Stutzman in Stillwater. Right. That would have been, obviously, we saw today, uh, Joe Masato. This is what you get when you get great work by the Oklahoma and Elevate Hibicon as he was Johnny on the spot. You know, the flu game, the Jordan flu game happened in Utah, which was also food poisoning. <laughs> He's an NBA guy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Stutzman, food poisoning, 10 tackles, awesome. the strip sack. Uh, he, huge. He, he means everything to this defense, even when they're, they're not able to, when they're trying to adjust on the fly. Yeah. It's uh, it's tough. Uh, we're, we're sitting here applauding Jackson Arnold. The fact of the matter is he's a true freshman. J uh, Dylan Gabriel ranks first in the Big 12 in points responsible for per game, total offense, passing offense, passing efficiency rating, passing touchdowns, passing yards per attempt, and completion percentage. He leads the Big 12 in all those categories and ranks in the top 10 nationally in all those categories. So missing him, replacing him is going to be very difficult. I don't care who your quarterback is uh, because nobody really, frankly, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the country right now that are playing football. Almost none of them are playing at Dylan Gabriel's level. So to have a freshman come in and say, yeah, sure, I can win this game and uh, we can go to the Big 12 championship. That's, gonna, that's, a, that's a lot to ask of Jackson Arnold. Not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying don't expect him to be Dylan Gabriel next week. And it'd be interesting to see if he does start. It'll be interesting to see if there's a little bit of an altered game plan, maybe a, a you know more run-heavy offense, especially because it feels like the past four weeks so he's gotten that run game going. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, Gavin Sawchuk three straight hundred-yard games before that. Tali Walker went for I think 140. So it'd be if he does start, I, I feel like we would probably see a, a heavy dose of Gavin Sawchuk, a heavy dose of Tali Walker, a heavy dose of Jackson Arnold in the run game. But I, I do think that they would still let him throw the ball against the TCU team that. While they are, I think, five and six on the season, uh, they did take Texas down to the wire. If OU is caught sleeping in that game, it could be a game that um, you know goes south for them. But again, they play a lot better at home, and I think that with a full week of preparation, Jackson Arnold would be able to do enough to get them through that game. TCU coming to Norman next week. What time? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Morning kickoff, rooster kick, one more. No, sorry, if they win that one and they get to the championship game, it'll be two more. Two more morning kickoffs. Uh, yeah, so 11 a.m. Black Friday. What do you got? Did, so as I, I stepped out in between one of the drives to, to hit the facilities, and even the BYU broadcast, which was going yeah. on in the bathroom, it, the guy was like, uh, you know, this is the first, it, it's the first time we've played at 10 a.m. in Provo in over 20 years. And you know, Oklahoma, they're mighty used to those morning <laughs> kicks. It feels like they play at 11 a.m. every single week. So that, that shouldn't be a real big to do for them. And I was like, even the BYU broadcast was like, yeah, Oklahoma, they just played 11. That's yep. just what they do. Yeah, 11 o'clock kickoffs are not the best for fans, for recruits. Uh, any recruiting news to touch on now that I've, I've thrown that out there? Anybody that you know for sure? I mean, you can say generally, yeah, it's going to be a big recruiting weekend. No, everybody's busy on Black Friday. I, I would assume that it's going to be a lot uh, less of a recruiting weekend than we normally see, mm -hmm. uh, especially for home games, considering it's a Black Friday game. That's going to deter a lot of people. Uh, it's an 11 a.m. kick. And a lot of the local recruits, so, you know, it feels like every game, all the Carl Albert guys are there, all the local guys are there. Well, this weekend, a lot of those guys, next weekend, I should say, a lot of those guys are going to be playing in the Oklahoma High School yeah. State semifinals. I don't think you'll see any of the Carl Albert guys there because they play later that night. Um, Caden Jones, who's another uh, 2026 OU target, uh, he's at, I feel like, every home game. 
Uh, I don't think that I would not expect to see him there because again, he's playing later that day, but maybe some of the local kids like the Josh Isosas, the Bergen Kaisers, uh, Michael Patterson, McDonald, some of those guys who are no longer playing, maybe a few, few kids from DFW in Texas. Uh, but I would expect that it's a, considering the high school playoffs are on the same day and it's Black Friday, I would expect it. it'll be a, probably a light recruiting weekend for the students. One, one more quick note on Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he's still 10th in career NCAA career passing yards. He moved up to 8th. He passed Ty Detmer huh. on the on the career all-time NCAA touchdown passing chart. He now has 122 touchdown passes. Ty Detmer has 121. Ironic. Uh, uh, yeah, here at BYU, he passed Ty Detmer. I think I made that declaration that if he does something in the next five games, he could pass him and pass Ty Detmer in uh, in Provo, which would be ironic, and it was ironic. Yeah. Uh, up next for him, if he does play and throws one more touchdown pass, he'll tie Landry Jones for 123 touchdown passes. That is good for eighth all-time. So right now he's sitting ninth. That's kind of cool. Um, 11 a.m., TCU, Black Friday. What else we got? I just hope that um, here in, in the near future, it won't be in the near future because of how scheduling works, but – uh, this has been one of my favorite trips I think we've taken yeah. in, in the three years that I, I've worked with you, Hoove. And uh, if any Oklahoma fans didn't get the chance to make it out, and if Oklahoma gets BYU on the schedule at some point <laughs> later on, I know a lot of big ifs, make an effort to come out here. I mean, it, it is, is magical. It awesome. is a, an unreal, very unique setting for college football, something that you're, you're not going to get in the SEC, right, as far as the mountains that, that surround it, all, all that stuff. Um, it, it's a ton of fun. I'm very much looking forward to trips to Death Valley and Tuscaloosa and going between the hedges. But uh, th this has been a pretty, pretty cool trip. And I, I'm very, very glad that of the newbies, Oklahoma got to swing through Cincinnati and BYU on the mm -hmm. way out the door. Yeah. It was a, the season's not over, but it was a fun season. Uh, I guess we have one more game at home Friday. It's going to be weird. We got a compacted week with the game on Friday, and then we got to take a day of Thanksgiving right in the middle. Like, and then Brent Venables is speaking on Monday this week, as Ryan mentioned. So it's going to be a weird week in Norman, Oklahoma, covering this team one more time this week. Uh, we'll see if the things shake out. We're going to go watch, find a place, uh, probably the hotel room, right? Probably find a place to watch the uh, Texas and Iowa State game. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's been fun. Shoot, episode 221 is in the – no, 223 is in the books, I guess. Yeah, it's in the books. and. Yep. uh no happenings of 212 today, Hoove. So you got that in Salt Lake City. I, I got Salt Lake City. <laughs> I checked into my hotel room. It was room 212. So I changed my pick to say Oklahoma's going to cover the spread. 24-point <laughs> spread because I checked into room 212. It didn't happen. They did not cover 24. Breaking news. I, uh, I, feel, I, I don't really ever take victory laps. But allsooners.com, under the radar, I picked Jaden Gibson. <laughs> Huge. It was huge. Also, head to allseries.com. New redesign, new site look. That's right. It'll look a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. We've still got our big, nice featured story. Uh, the most recent stories are, are, are just to the right of that. So if you go up there and you're like, hey, where are all the videos? Just scroll down just a little bit. There's a new OU football tab. Click that. All the post-game videos. We talked to a ton of guys after this game. Britt Venables, Ted Roof, Jeff Levy. All that content, and then we'll do it all again on Monday, like we said. Yep. It's uh, split up into sections, so it's easier for you to find what you're looking for. If you want football, if you want recruiting, if you want softball, whatever it is. Uh, it's easier to find instead of just scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down, or jumping on the one tab that you see at the top of the page. Uh, you'll like it. I hope you guys like it. Let us know in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter. 
underscore Ryan Chapman, Randall Sweet 5, John E. Hoover. Let us know. We want to hear from you guys about what you think about the redesigned website. That's it, fellas. 223 in the books. For Randall, for Ryan, I'm Hoover. We'll see you guys.